0: Kempe dishes in front. Another sliding pad save by Flurry, this time to his right. Because one hour isn't
1: enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show.
0: Here's a left wing opportunity.
2: a sliding pad save. Robin Leonard,
0: what a stop! From the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas studios, and live
1: at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Back at it, hour number two of the BGKA Insider Show. Looking forward to the start of game two of the Stanley Cup Final. We'll keep you up to date as you listen to the show live. If you are uh, listening to the podcast, then you already know what happened in game number two. You may call and let me know. So just so I can be be smart and uh, be able to tell people what's going oh. on. Uh, looking forward to uh, this one as Montreal tries to bounce back after a 5-1 loss in the opener in Tampa Bay. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman here, and uh, we have uh, some other news to get to uh, that's filtering through the National Hockey League. Uh, one involves the captain of the Chicago Blackhawks and some uh, positive of events on that side with Jonathan Taves and uh, a little bit more on uh, the Carolina her. And i uh, also got some uh, little scuttlebutt uh, stuff that I'm hearing in and around uh, the uh, hockey world. But, uh, Ryan, uh, let's start off with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. Now that you've had uh, a little bit of time to settle in and absorb what happened yesterday and the Vesna Trophy win, uh, in, in the four years, four complete years that the Golden Knights uh, have played in the National Hockey League, how significant and where does the Marc-Andre Fleury Vesna Trophy win rank on, on the grand uh, wall of accomplishments.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it uh, it it is right up there with the Golden Knights going to the Stanley Cup final in year one, if I'm being completely honest. It's a major, major NHL award, and Marc-Andre Fleury b- brought that to the Vegas Golden Knights organization. He brought that to Vegas in general, and he accomplished something that he had not yet, done previously in his illustrious career. I I think it's one of those career milestone moments, but it wasn't just simply a lifetime achievement award for Marc-Andre Fleury. He was so good this year. His season was absolutely phenomenal. You look at all the underlying metrics. uh, We had gone over it when Marc-Andre was announced as a finalist for the Vezina uh, with Kevin uh, Woodley. So I I look at this as as one of those moments where Marc-André Fleury went off, had a phenomenal year, and he brings a major award home to Vegas.
1: This from the outside looking in, I'm trying to pull myself back from the VGK bubble mm-hmm. is one of the great upsets in the National Hockey League. Marc-André Fleury from the bubble last year to yesterday being presented as the Vesna Trophy winner is a journey that nobody saw happening. And it's not even at this stage of his career or uh, because he got a chance. It's just, it, it's everything coming together as one. And that's part of of the story. He's He's an all-time great, a Hall of Famer, and still, when you when you examine from going from the bubble and the backup and and yep. the controversy, you can't ignore that. Going from all of that to accepting the Vesna Trophy, uh, even for somebody that's a first ballot Hall of Famer, it's an upset of epic proportions. And and he deserves the award. But going from there to here is a meteoric rise.
0: Yeah and, and I think that that's why comparatively speaking that to me is is year 1 Vegas right it's mm-hmm. it's a team that no one expected to to be as good as they were getting all the way to the Stanley Cup final the only difference here is that Mark Andre Fleury won that ultimate prize in terms of individual awards for goaltending he has the trophy and and I think that if you look at just how how improbable Marc-Andre Fleury winning the Vezina Trophy this season looked at the end of last season. I think the same could be said for the Golden Knights year one and what they were able to accomplish.
1: Uh, thanks to Sage Sammons from the VGK Communications Department uh, who uh, cleared some space uh, for me to chat with Marc-Andre Fleury before he did his uh, media availability yesterday. And also thanks to Chris Chapman who found uh, the, a version, uh, a route to get this uh, interview here because uh, technology failed, uh, he and I, in in uh, sending this interview over to him. So Chapman's uh, the reason why you're going to hear it, and Sage Salmon's is the reason why the interview was completed, and Mark andre Fleury is the reason why we had the discussion in the first place, the Vesna Trophy winner on the VGK Insider Show. Not every day you get to hang out with the Vesna Trophy winner. Uh, congratulations, Mark andre Thank you so much. Appreciate it. How did you find out? Find out uh, who who called you? I know Marty presented it to you, but uh, yeah. h- how did you
3: first learn? Uh, it was uh, Kelly. Um, Give me a call and uh, let me know. I think it was before game um, game five here at home the night before. So that was a nice uh, nice call, right? Um, obviously, that's not where my head my head was at, but it's definitely a nice uh, uh, I don't know nice call to get at the time.
1: Kind of unexpected, like out of the blue, the timing of it because the award was just presented
3: uh, this week. Um, a little bit, yeah. I didn't expect it, right? Yeah. Knew, uh, like you said, like it was going to be presented today. So, um, but I, I'm glad that I found out a little early, right? Then you go into Game Five feeling good, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's too bad that uh, that didn't work out uh, for Game Five there. So. You've been playing for
1: 17 years. Uh, was this the most unexpected time to be a finalist
3: and to win this thing? Uh, probably. I, I don't know. I never really um, played to, to to win this, right? And um, I never expected to play this long either. So, um, you know, like I've, I've said, you know, in my statement, I'm very fortunate I get to play with such a good team and, Great teammates, right? With great staff and um, that helped me, out help, you know, throughout all the season to uh, to get this done. Did you you never really thought about the Vesna like o- over the years? Uh, not really, you know. Like honestly, like, I never went into a season or after the season and being like, oh, I gotta win the, Wis- the Vesna, right? I gotta hmm. save that one to win the Vesna. You know, and it's always about just trying to win that one game you're playing and then move on to the next one, try to win that one, right? Um, to me, I think that's what's uh, what's important. What came together then this year to put yourself in this position? Um, I guess age experience a bit, right? Uh, been, like I said, I've been around for a while now and um, understand the game a little better and a uh, few little... Uh, tweak in my game with my goalie coach. Uh, my, um, like I guess, said, my teammate, the way they bought it and uh, played the system, you know, that allowed me to, to look better, I think, right? And they blocked a lot of shots. And um, I think all, all that together, right? I think it helped, helped me after that, too, uh, to Have a good season. Can you share any of those tweaks or those little adjustments that you and Mike made? Yeah, I think one thing was... Um, not being as far out, right? Um, I, I'm not the biggest guy, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's good when you get out, you make yourself a little bigger, right, and try to get hit. But I felt like playing back a bit allowed me to uh, have time to react on pucks and have time to um, sometimes catch the puck instead of getting hit, you know, and because sometimes when you don't hit, don't get hit, right, then you don't have time to move and, and catch it or something like that, you know, so. I thought it was, um, it was a good thing to, to be able to come back a little bit. And then when there's a pass across or rebound or a broken place, then I think uh, I was able to, to get there a little quicker than if I was far out, out of the crease. You know,
1: you talk about the experience being an advantage, but there's also, uh, when you get a little bit older, you don't want to change your ways. Uh, was, it, was it difficult to convince you or are you that open-minded?
3: Uh, I don't think it was um, I, I, I think I have throughout my career I had to change I had to adapt right there's always new little techniques that comes out here and there and um, you know a goalie coach in the summer also and usually when I, I go back home and skate there and um, I love hearing what's what's new and what, what guys are doing I love watching goalies in EHL see what they do and I love trying it right and um, some things just don't work for me and some things, I like, and I, and I do it right. And I, I found that, uh, like I said, this being a little deeper gave me a little more time to react to boxing. Um, and I like that. So would you categorize
1: yourself like in the zone this year? Would, would that be accurate? <laughs>
3: um, I, don't know, I felt good. and you know the body yeah. was good. I think the our staff or the trainers, uh, kept me loose, kept me going right all season. And, um, they're also a big part of it. And, um, yeah, but I felt good, you know, I just wanted to help the team when I, when I was in that and, um, well, yeah, it was a good season. Uh, so now it opens up the door.
1: You've got a year left. How long do you want to play? How, how long do you want to do this?
3: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm, like I said, have a year left, right? And, um, still having fun, right? I think some mornings I feel it more than I used to, but, um, Still having fun, still loving the game, right? You know, um, the guys in the locker room and all that stuff. So, um, you know, and I guess as long, as long as I have fun, right, and I still can help on the ice, you know, I think um, I'll try to keep on. It's got to be cool, though, that you're on that trophy with the, the Patricks
1: and the Dominics and uh, Marty's, uh, I mean, all, all those guys. Like that still, even though you may not have thought about it, has to be an absolute
3: thrill uh it is it is such uh an honor honor for me to to be mentioned with these guys right uh most of it most of them are guys that i i look up to growing up right in my adults and um i don't know it's uh again i don't know i i felt very fortunate i got to be in, to play in the NHL and to, to stick around for so long and um you know to have had some success and um you know very humbled by uh be, by named uh, the winner of the season did you keep this vaulted or who did you tell uh from the time that you found out until now uh i didn't tell too many people because social <laughs> media right you yeah quickly but uh my mom's sister obviously the wife and um a couple of close friends even them yeah i didn't trust them too much so and <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, yeah. what about the uh, kids what about the kids the girls
3: Did yeah. they know um, uh, I yeah, we talked about it today, so I don't yeah. think they care okay. too much.
1: <laughs> All right, before we let you go, uh, I know 500 wins, uh, and in, in talking to uh, a few people, Kevin Woodley and a couple of other people, uh, was is really important to you. Uh, what where is 500 wins and scoring a goal? If you have to pick, uh, <laughs> think, is, is that what's left?
3: Uh, I always take the wins first, right? Yeah. But, um, uh, still scoring a goal would be pretty uh, pretty fun though like I've been trying all my years I know with, and that's I do I couldn't do it yet so I don't have much left so I gotta keep bearing down on, on those chances did you try more
1: this year or think about it more this year than, than you ever have uh, scoring a goal or has it been pretty no. awesome
3: no I think usually when uh, I like when we have two goal lead, right so yeah. I don't screw up and then decide tie the game <laughs> right so uh that's my, my go to, like under a minute to, to go lead, and uh that's an old try, I guess. Uh have you talked to
1: Veronique, Where's the where the uh the your version of the Vesna trophy is gonna go? <laughs> Not so, yet. No. no. Well you got some time to think about it. Hey, congratulations. Uh, yeah. uh really, really cool. And uh this is a, uh, this is a people's win. Uh and we're happy
3: for you. Uh thank you so much. Appreciate it.
1: Marc-Andre Fleury in conversation prior to his media availability yesterday in a uh, special one-on-one that uh, we were allowed access to. So uh, another uh, example of listening to the VGK Insider Show where you get uh, content that uh, just uh, no other program is uh, is able to bring you. And listening to, to that, he, he's kind of a, a tougher athlete to interview. And Chapman, I know that you've talked to him uh, uh, several times because he's so humble uh, mm-hmm. yeah. that... Uh, that you gotta find different ways to to get at some of these uh little uh, parts of uh, of his position and, and how he approaches it.
2: Yeah what so I So what I go ahead, Chapman. What 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 I find a a very unique aspect of Marc Andre Fleury is how witty he is and how quick he is to come back with something really funny mm-hmm. when you're talking to him. You gotta pay and, attention. Yeah, yeah, because he'll catch you off guard and, and, and you'll be like, what? Wait. And then, like five minutes later, you're like, oh my God, I just got it. But, yeah. like, he he is, he's, like you said, he's so humble, and you could hear it in that interview. And I like the last question about asking him, you know, if he's had the conversation with his wife about where it goes. I mean, <laughs> if it's me, it's going as soon as you walk in the house, so everybody sees it as soon as you come <laughs> in the house. But
1: but he's got the three cups, so it's like, and yeah, he's got the, yeah. the Campbell Bowl trophy. the Because mini- every time you win a, a championship or a conference, you get a miniature version of that trophy so we win a Stanley Cup you get your own miniature version of the Stanley Cup uh, you get a Jennings trophy you get a miniature version of the Jennings so he's got uh, uh, Prince of Wales trophies uh, he's got uh, the Stanley Cups he's, now he's got the Jennings and the Vesna Trophy coming there's there's two more little trophies on the way
0: so what I think is intriguing and it goes to your point Darren is the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury seem to be more animated and more interested in the thing that he hadn't done mm-hmm. yet yeah, versus the thing that he just accomplished, right? You you get the the animated and the in the fun Marc-Andre Fleury, the engaging Marc Andre Fleury when it comes to what he hasn't yet accomplished in scoring a goal. And and that's where he like really shines in that interview because He's looking toward that next thing, and I think that that kind of sums up Marc-Andre Fleury in terms of him being just a humble guy that goes out there and tries to do his best. Uh, he's, he's almost more comfortable talking about the one, that one thing he hasn't yet accomplished as a goalie in the NHL as opposed to winning the Vesna for the first time in his career. Uh,
1: there's at times controversy with individual awards, or at least, at the very least, discussion. Not with this one. Uh, even his peers. His peers will really appreciate that. And that goes to Vasilevsky, uh, to uh, Braden Holtby, to uh, down the list, uh, Pecorine, Carey Price. Uh, this this will be uh, a win and is a win that players will say, that's a career that deserves a Vesna trophy. And there's not... There's not a guarantee that it, that it ever happens. You you look through the list of of goaltenders who have won the Vesna Trophy, and there's some one-offs like Olaf Kolzig that year. Mm-hmm. That was a one-off. Good goaltender, great goaltender, not Hall of Fame goaltender, but and a great guy. Love him, but uh, upset uh, Curtis Joseph uh, that year for for the the Vesna Trophy. Not a very popular win, especially because the awards were in Toronto that year and uh, there was some booing. I've always felt bad for Ole the goalie that year. He accepted his trophy, <laughs> uh, his Vesna trophy win amid boos at, uh, at Air Canada Centre, then Air Canada Centre. Uh, but think about names that, like Jonathan Quick,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Consmite trophy winner, couple of Stanley mm-hmm. Cups, no Vesna. There's, there's, just because you're, you have a great career doesn't guarantee it. There's there's a lot of guys that did and have done it, but a few that that will be missing that important piece of hardware when it comes to goaltending. And I I'm really happy that it occurred. I'm shocked as heck that it happened. And I, nothing can take that away from me. That this occurred during a fifty-six game season, when you've got three and four every night, and uh, and and he carried the ball uh, when Robin Leonard was hurt, coming off uh, what happened uh, last season. Like I'm just and on a fourth. Like never mind. There's a fourth-year franchise that that mm-hmm. we're just yeah. used to it to that now. Like there's, like, it all adds up to it never should have happened, but it did. And uh and it's it's a great uh part of uh of his career, and I think it, it belongs part of his career. Now that said, Ryan, like where does he go from here? And I'm talking next year is is one more year left in his contract, seven million, uh, as you pointed out, uh, on on the books for the cap. And I'm not talking about playing for the Vegas Golden Knights, but I'm talking about where does he take his game and the opportunities from this? Beijing Olympics are next February. The NHL all-star mm-hmm. game is going to be held in Vegas next February. You got to think that he's going to be in the mix. Like he's been an all-star for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, he's been to all-star games, but you got to think he'd be in the mix for that uh, for the all-star game. But, Has Marc-Andre Fleury done the impossible and put himself in a position to be on Team Canada's Olympic Club if the NHL goes to Beijing?
0: Uh, You know, I mean, I think that he's in the conversation today, right? And, And as an athlete, that's really all you can do is keep your name in that conversation. It's going to really depend on how Marc-Andre Fleury opens up next year and, and how you know, how much he's able to kind of continue the rate of play that he had this season. So I think it's absolutely in the cards for Marc-Andre, assuming that he continues to play well to start next season. But right now, in this moment, right here, he's in the conversation. And that's all you could ask for.
1: There was a, a lawless order that uh, we did maybe about a third of the way into the season and mm-hmm. Gary Lawless brought up before we did the segment, just said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring up uh Olympic team when it comes to Marc-Andre Fleury. I uh, don't, don't okay. count out the Olympic team. And I looked at him and we had that piece of glass between us. And, <laughs> and if that piece of glass wasn't there, I would have mm-hmm. taken his temperature bad joke. I know COVID, but, uh, but I'm trying to be fun. I would have taken his temperature or I would have, uh, just said, uh, please leave the set. Because the idea uh, that, that Mark what? Andre, why? That, well, the idea that Mark Andre at that like early on in the season, like it was a nice mm-hmm. story. It was a good run. He was playing yeah. well at the start of the season, but the idea a third of the way or twenty five percent into the National Hockey League season that Marc Andre was going to at thirty six years of age then uh, and at thirty seven. Uh, when the Olympics rolled around, it was going to be part of Team Canada. I'm sorry, I thought the ship had sailed. I, I there's mean, there's I, just I no, no part of me that ever, ever, ever considered that a possibility. He's made that a realistic possibility. And if this was a normal summer, Ryan Wallace, teams would be together during the summer, like the national teams would be together. Team Canada would be holding a uh, a week or a four-day Camp somewhere. Uh, Team USA would be doing the same thing in Columbus or uh, what have you, and and they invite uh, they would invite forty players, and uh, and you to get all your sizing, and they would be to do the the pre Olympic uh, checklist. Uh, the coaches would talk, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Canada doesn't even have a coach uh, as, as of yet, and and uh, they don't have the list of players. But Mark Andre Fleury would be part of that group, like legitimately,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and 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 with Carey price would be a favorite to be one of the two goaltenders dressing every game.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's where he belongs yes. based on this season. And, and that is, and like, I, I get where you're coming from a third of the way into the year. We really weren't sure how much those games were going to start to catch up uh, with Mark Andre. If that rate of play was going to be sustainable all year long, turns out it was, um, but, yeah, I mean, this is this is where Marc-Andre Fleury belongs in terms of that conversation when it comes to the Olympics.
2: Well, and you look at some of the other guys that, that are possibly in the running, Carter Hart, maybe, Jordan Biddington, maybe Mackenzie Blackwood. I mean, I think— so You just
1: did Dr. Google, didn't you?
2: No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure <laughs> out who's— because I'm, I'm go- I went through the list of Vezina guys, and I'm like, all right, Russian, uh,
1: German. I know. Yeah, that's why he's in. Listen, as as great of a of a journey that Mark Andre just went on from last summer to right now, uh, Carter Hart has to do two laps where his game is at right now. All right, so 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 continue on. Right, run me down the list of of Canadian goaltenders.
2: All right, let me let me let me see if I can find it here. Let's see. Because if, if, if Marc Andre
1: Fleury I know is, I'm taking is, him over is, Binnington right now. Is near is near the level of you don't like Bennington. You gotta get over that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't like Bennington as a person, I might, I and you might. gotta get over that. Uh, but if, if uh, Marc Andre's well. game stays in the same area, like it, it doesn't have to be as good as he was earlier this year, but he stays in the same area. That's what I'm going to judge these names, uh, him against these names that you're going to bring up.
2: All right, I'm um, I'm still pulling it up. So let's see.
1: Uh, Carter Hart,
2: Carter Hart. Yeah, close. I'm, I'm taking Flurry. Uh Bennington. I'm taking Flurry.
1: Okay, but that's close. That's it like, is close. You know, Binnington yeah. will be in the mix.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of, of...
1: unless you're picking Canada's goaltenders. Yes, and which I... I. And, and <laughs> please remember, please remember that who the general manager of Team Canada is. And that's Doug Armstrong, okay. Who is the general manager of which team? The St. Louis Blues.
2: Yeah, so Jordan Bennington is the there. goaltender.
1: So I, I, I think, and not just because of that, I think Jordan Bennington will be in the mix just on the merits of his own play.
2: All right, so, so Carey Price, I think okay. that that's that's really close. He, he's on the team. Yeah, Mike Smith.
1: Uh, that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, Mike Smith uh, was arguably the best goaltender in the in the North Division this year, but he's he's older than. Uh than Mark Andre. I Mike Smith was on the twenty fourteen team. That uh, that
2: one Listen, golden Sochi. You. Holtby.
0: If you're telling me if you're telling me that I got a pick right now yes. and I have a chance between Marc Andre Fleury and Mike Smith, I'm gonna keep Marc Andre Fleury, especially if Jordan Biddington, Carey Price are kind of in that Done. in that uh, conversation. Yeah, it's not Mike. Now problem. now here's
2: here's one that I would make the argument should be in serious consideration. Darcy Kemper.
1: Yeah. Played played for the world championship team. Got some uh got
2: some some got some hardware. There. Yeah. But yeah, he's a really I, good goalie, too.
1: I, I I agree. I'm I'm taking Marc Andre Flurry.
2: I think so, yeah. But I mean some tough decisions though.
1: Here's the thing about the it, it was always thought that you would take a young guy uh as your third goaltender. And that's not the case with national teams anymore. You take the three best guys now, because the likelihood that you're going to need the third guy has become <coughs> greater and greater and greater. Uh, so yeah. the, the um, team Canada, let's say, uh, at the World Championships this year, took uh, to Mike DiPietro, uh, uh over. That that was a that was a one off. A, in Olympic teams in the past, you take the three best guys. marc Andre Fleury was the third guy in 2010. Mike Smith was the third guy in 2014. Two veteran goaltenders, and uh, and wouldn't it be amazing? 2022, 12 years. It'll be 12 years since marc Andre Fleury uh, won gold as part of Team Canada in Vancouver.
2: He he likes to joke about that, hmm. by the way, that he he got the gold medal for really not doing much. <laughs> I, I, more, more humble, right? <laughs> I think it, it's a statement of
1: where you are in in relation to the game. Yeah, I think it's a real compliment to you. Uh, but that, mm-hmm. if if you're if you're a dozen years after you win gold, and you're still part of the mix, that's boy, that's really impressive. But I I, I do believe that, and and this whole conversation started with me telling Gary to take his temperature. I. I admit I was wrong there. He he had staying power this year that I had no clue that he could put forward. It was it was I, wildly impressive.
0: I'm just glad that he made uh, he made you wrong, which is pretty awesome because yes. it doesn't happen often where you admit that you were wrong.
1: But are you saying that I'm wrong a lot? I just don't admit it. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Uh, We're going to take a break, and uh, we'll come up with a couple You know what thing I was wrong about the other day? I got my Winter Classic and my Stadium Series mixed up while we were talking about it the other day. The uh, Winter Classic is going to take place in Minnesota, and the Stadium Series is going to take place in Nashville. So how about this? In February, you're going to have the Honda All-Star Weekend in Vegas, and then you're just going to sober up, and you're going to go to the Stadium Series Weekend in Nashville. Like, who can possibly do that? Like, and, and, and do those two events at full speed. I don't think, I, I, I don't think it's healthy for you to go to both All Star weekend and then the Stadium Series weekend, Nashville and Las Vegas in back to back, and starting in Vegas. We might have to, you might have to sign a waiver releasing all um, uh, <laughs> responsibilities uh, if you're going to do both those things. Because you guys have both been to Nashville, right? Um,
0: I have never been to Nashville. I love Nashville. Yeah. You you can sign me up. Nashville is phenomenal. It's such a great place.
1: Let's do it. Uh, crank it up. Uh, we've got one timers coming up. It's the VGK Insider Show. What a fun uh, week this has been uh, celebrating some uh, awards uh, and also acknowledging uh, the Stanley Cup final and uh, some dipping our toe into the crypto world uh, with NFTs. We're learning. We're celebrating, and we're watching the Stanley Cup final. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
0: Blunt to the near
2: wing. Big shot, he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the VGK Insider
1: Show. Well, this was one of the best sightings that I've witnessed in a long time. You open up the old uh, phone, and jumping off the headlines is Jonathan Taves planning a return to the Chicago Blackhawks next year. He's actually on the ice. There's some video of him uh, playing at the uh, practice facility of the Chicago Blackhawks and uh, just great news. We, we knew that he'd stepped away in December, uh, didn't play at all during the course of this season and whenever there's uh, news like that, There's a lot of speculation. Uh, There's uh, rumors going around. We didn't know whether it was an illness, uh, whether it was physical, whether it was uh, mental. There's a lot going on. Ends up that Jonathan Taves has uh, recovered and he's back training and getting ready for the season. It was uh, a chronic immune response syndrome uh, bout that that he had where basically his body broke down, he said. And nothing he could do yeah. during the course of his training uh, could uh, give him the proper uh, stability to be able to perform uh, as a National Hockey League player. And his body was always fighting off something, and he and he had to take that step back.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the big key, right? Like you know how much these athletes put their bodies through the ringer, and and when you are chronically stressed at times the body can just break down it can take one event to to kind of break the camel's back so to speak and then all of a sudden you just are unable to to maintain that same that same level of energy you've always had to get through your daily tasks so um yeah great news uh, for Jonathan Taves. It was great to see the video. It was great to see him back on the ice. It was great to see that he's doing better now. And, you know, Mark Lazarus with The Athletic had a fantastic piece on Jonathan Taves, what he's been dealing with over the course of the last year at a do yourself a, a, a huge service if you would read that piece because it goes pretty in depth on what Jonathan Taves has been going through.
1: A couple of quotes from the future Hall of Famer has said that I just think there's a lot of things that kind of piled up where my body just fell apart. So what they're calling it is chronic immune response syndrome where I just couldn't quite recover and my immune system was reacting to everything I did, any kind of stress, anything I would do throughout the day, it was always kind of a response, but it took some time And that was the frustrating part not knowing when or how long it was going to take to get over the hump but uh he's got through it great support system and here's the little sub part about the video that that he posted you kind of forget because the golden knights were just eliminated and the tampa bay lightning montreal canadians are still playing when when you saw the video of jonathan taves out there there's a few guys Uh, on the ice like more than a handful uh, on the ice with the Chicago Blackhawks they're ramping up their training at at a time when Vegas and a lot of the teams that are still playing had to take their step back and recover that's how long it's been since a team like Chicago uh, who didn't qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, has played.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it also gives you an indication of, uh, of just how quickly and how short this offseason is going to be right. and is going to feel. And and that's going to be one of those other situations to keep an eye on because you've got a lot of players that have played a lot of hockey, especially in the last, you know, 18 months. Um, this offseason is going to be an intriguing one. And for the Golden Knights specifically, managing fatigue, managing stress so that you're able to kind of take a a break take a step back from playing hockey so that you can come into next year fresh is going to be as important as what you do in terms of your training for for the next season
1: past the midway point of the first period in game two of the Stanley Cup final uh, Montreal took a penalty but they've uh, got through it and managed to kill it off although uh, Carey Price took a clapper right to the face uh that didn't look like it felt very good uh, he's okay, but it's 0-0 in the first period in that one. Montreal with uh, Yoel Armia uh, in the lineup and no Alex Kalorn for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. This uh, I'm not going to say that Tampa Bay can't play the game that Montreal did the other night because uh, Keith Jones pointed out uh, on the Chirp podcast that the Tampa managed to push back against the New York Islanders really strongly. Uh, the Islanders uh, don't have the trees, the big oak trees that, that Montreal has on the back end. great defense, but those like Edmondson and Weber and uh, go down the line uh, uh, Petrie are, are big burly guys. Uh, I'll be uh, I'm interested to see if Tampa Bay pushes the physical aspect of this game tonight.
0: You know, I, it's interesting because the the Lightning have had two power plays already in this game. It looks like things are, are called a bit tighter to start. So if I'm Tampa, I don't know that I want to engage in that way. Right. I think that you let Montreal be the more physical team, you let them cross the line, and you win this game on the power play. That's, that's the direction I would approach it if I am the Tampa Bay Lightning.
1: The uh, amount of noise that uh, erupted after Kucherov took the Mayfield cross-check in the Islander series, and that wasn't called. And the Islanders ended up coming back and winning game six, forcing a game seven. And Kucherov uh, yeah. uh, was uh, was in, uh, unable to play the rest of that game six. Uh, when there wasn't a call there, and there wasn't a call uh, in-game with Shea Weber slashed to the back of Kucherov's leg, uh, I, like it's you can't quantify how much Julian Breezebaugh and company would have been working the the series supervisor and uh chris king with the national hockey league and colin campbell and and such uh to try and lock that that thing down and get some uh some penalty called and and stop taking uh teams taking liberties with their players and uh i'm I'm not surprised that it's called uh, a little bit tightly in in this one uh news out of toronto I I wait for your reaction uh, every time I say something like that. Uh, Frederick Anderson of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs organization have, I've never heard this before, have mutual interest in finding an agreement for the free agent goaltender. They have mutual interest in finding an agreement for the free agent goaltender. So they both want to get a deal done. We, we come up with these new oh terminologies, God. like zone exits. No, no, no. used to be called a breakout. We, we
0: we don't. Toronto does.
1: Yeah, good point. Good point.
0: Director of hockey strategy, what does that mean?
1: Mm, and a new why, can't,
0: why can't you just say both parties are interested in making a deal? It's not hard. It's been around forever. We don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Do you think a deal eventually gets done there,
1: or does he move on? Now he's a I, he's a really tight buddy of Austin Matthews.
0: So, I firmly believe that the Toronto Maple Leafs need a better goaltender than just Frederick Anderson. And I mean, Freddie's been great. Uh, Freddie has had his his speed wobbles in the playoffs. I mean, the entire team has. But, yeah, I I think you move on. Now, I can understand wanting to get a deal done because it might make Austin Matthews a little bit happier. And maybe when Austin hits free agency, that means something to him. But I think in order for this team to get better, I think they are going to need a better, an upgrade in goal. I I just simply do.
1: Well, they upgraded with Jack Campbell they didn't have anybody to back up in case something happened to Frederick Anderson. They brought uh, Campbell in last year, and uh, he ended up playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs this time around uh, against the, the Montreal Canadiens. So they upgraded there. So you're saying they need somebody that's more high-end, like top-end? Yes. So above Jack Campbell? Yes. Okay. Just um, Sometimes we have to talk these things through live on the, on the radio just to make sure I'm uh, I'm on the same page as you, uh, Tom Dunden, uh, our good friend with the Carolina Hurricanes. He uh, kind of ruffled some feathers when he first came in. Uh, likes the hoodies and stuff. A really really fascinating guy to talk to though. Uh, he is the uh, now the sole owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. Bought out uh, Peter Carmanos and the rest of his stake with the Carolina Hurricanes. So it's Tom's show uh, with the Carolina Hurricanes. And the most important thing that he's done is keep his head coach but uh continuing to uh flex his muscle and uh expand his reach within the national hockey league uh, owning a 100 percent of the franchise
0: i think that there's one converse if like if i could have one conversation with an executive it might be tom dundon or, or an owner it might yeah. be tom dundon just simply because i think he thinks about things in such a different way than everyone else does, and he's got his priorities, he's got his his boundaries, and he seems so steadfast in sticking to them that I just think it would be a fascinating conversation to have. I was able to uh,
1: connect with with Rod Brindamore a couple of weeks ago on The Chirp, and we talked about Tom uh, a little bit and mm-hmm. why, why it took so long for, for Rod's deal to get done, and Rod wanted to make sure everybody else kind of was taken care of or got paid. Ie, assistant coaches, support staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Before uh, he wanted to sign the deal, but one of the things that jumped out is 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 Tom Dundon, the owner, talks to Rod Brindamore, the coach, all the time. That's not normal. That doesn't. That's not <laughs> how it usually works. Now it's it works for them. It's a great relationship. Yeah. And I said, well, when like, are you ever afraid if you don't take the call that he's like standing twenty feet behind you? And, you, and you're clicking decline. He said, yeah, the only time that he doesn't, if he's in a carpool lane to pick up uh, his son or something uh, along that line. But they, they talk a lot, a lot more than traditional uh, owner uh, and coach do. Uh, owners talk to the manager all the time yep. is, uh, is a standard thing. But uh, the coach is usually uh, almost not off limits, but a, a ways away.
0: Sure, yeah. That's uh, wild.
1: Did we talk about uh, Chris Jellios yesterday? Did we have a chance oh, to, to go down that uh, that path of uh, the ESPN uh, group that was uh, announced for their National Hockey League uh, rights as they take on the National Hockey League uh, broadcast next year? I can't remember.
0: We can get into it. as mm-hmm. we, we have not gotten into that, no. Okay. We, we did not have time. How much time do we have
1: right now? one minute okay let's let's save that for tomorrow it it, it trust okay. me it's a conversation that holds up but uh, but I'm gonna bring you something that's that's different that uh, our friend John Shannon pointed out to me yesterday as we had a conversation on on the phone offline just about uh, some of the people that they hired it's it's an interesting group there's some some people that I can't wait to hear from Uh, in this conversation and some very, very talented broadcasters uh, that uh, I'm looking forward to getting back in the National Hockey League. Uh, Chris Fowler is going to do the expansion draft uh, for the Seattle Kraken. So that gives you an idea of how much their emphasis that ESPN is putting into their hockey coverage. So those are your one-timers for this Wednesday, uh, June, on Fox Sports, Las Vegas. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's
0: Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace.
1: Yeah, I'd say the standard of officiating has uh, changed uh, for Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final from the opener. 0-0, but uh, <laughs> offsetting penalties now. Uh, there's going to be another one uh, for a high stick uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But yeah, it's uh, it's being called a little bit tighter in this one as we uh, wrap up our number two with Catching Up with Chapman.
2: Okay, so we spent a good portion of the show talking about Mark andre Fleury. His first career win came against the Detroit Red Wings. Now, there are two things that we mentioned in this show that actually tie into that first win. You just mentioned Chris Chelios. He took a roughing penalty in that game and the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, Mark Bergevin was actually on the ice as Marc-Andre Fleury's teammate, teammate yeah. in that game. Now his first loss or his first game came against the LA Kings. Mario Lemieux took a penalty in that game. Pretty pretty wild. To, to think that that's how long Marc-Andre Fleury's been in the NHL, that Mark, that Mario Lemieux was his teammate in his very first game. By the way, got a loss, a win, and a tie in his first three starts, so he kind of uh, hit the trifecta there. Two
1: ties for his career.
2: Yeah. One was against Atlanta. I can't remember who the other was against. Shane Knighty was not playing for Atlanta in that particular game.
1: I can't believe Atlanta got teams twice.
2: And failed twice.
1: Whoa! You know, it was like down to the second where Arizona was supposed to go to Winnipeg and then things fell apart at the last second in in Atlanta and they made a quick switch and Atlanta moved. But all along, Winnipeg was getting Arizona. Strange one. Uh, Ryan, great show today. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun today.
0: It was fun. (laughs) Thank you.
1: (laughs) We'll be back with you again tomorrow on the BGK Insider Show talking about game two of the Stanley Cup final.